Welcome back, loyal listeners. Welcome new listeners to Runkle Recaps, How I Met Your Podcast. We're on Season 6, Episode 12, False Positive. And with me is Jen. Hello. It feels like a very long time since we've been here. Podcasting? Yes. It's been two weeks. Oh, is that all? Yeah, well, I was hoping to do it last week, and then I was pretty much sick. Yeah. All that week. Maybe it's been two weeks, actually. Yeah, I thought it had been like a month, so... <laughs> no, we did, we did one not that long ago, but I think it's going to be a two- to three-week gap in between us posting it, depending on how long it takes me to get this out. But I'm having a glass of wine right now. Jen and I are very relaxed because we got a couple's massage today. <sighs> it's glorious. And tomorrow's my birthday. In fact, my birthday is in an hour and 40 minutes. Ooh, 39 minutes. So we'll be able to, thank you. So we'll be able to welcome that in, not during the podcast. Hopefully we don't take that long tonight. But no. That would be too long. We've got a whole bunch of emails. Hooray. One of them are very thought-provoking and asks us some good questions that uh, we'll get into the answers for. We'll do that last because that, that email actually does mention tonight's episode. And I have a couple stories to tell. Some of the questions that were asked prompted me to write some lists. <laughs> so we'll have some lists. It's been a while since we've had a list. Right. And uh, I will say for tonight's episode, not ranked well. I ranked it 114. But I actually enjoyed it a lot more than I expected. And maybe that's one of the positive effects of ranking things low is that when we get to them. This was actually, I very much enjoyed this episode. And it was a great surprise to me that I did. Yeah. I mean, it was fine. Didn't. I feel like it didn't like move the story along all that much. No, and we're starting to get into the Zoe episodes, and she wasn't in this one, so mm, yeah, it's sort of like they introduce a character that's going to become somewhat important for a little bit, and then they skip having them on a few times. Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess the only thing that was really important out of this episode is that Robin started her new job. One of my stories I wanted to tell, and I told this to Jen a couple weeks ago. About a month ago, I went to Ohio, to Columbus, Ohio, for my friend's birthday. It was his 50th birthday party. And a long time ago, I told a story of us staying out of town with him and him coming down before bedtime in a nightshirt, (laughs) a la Marshall and Barney in that one episode. Yes. And he's got a lot of interesting friends, and one of the friends I met gave me a very big Karen vibe. Ted's <laughs> douchey ex-girlfriend. And so I was telling, I, I remember Jen and I having a conversation about how I'd love to meet someone like Karen and just kind of hear their thoughts because it's it's just so humorous to me when people act or think this way. Mm-hmm. And so we're conversations were going all over the place, but one of them happened to be about aliens. And I said, you know, my take on these... <clears throat> UAP or UFO sightings, but not so much alien sightings is, I feel like aliens look at us like lions in the wild, whereby it's easy for them to use their technology to float around and look at us and observe and things of that nature. In the wild or in the zoo? I'm talking about in the wild right now. But as humans, we don't want to get up close to a lion. We don't want to get within striking distance because they can harm us. But as a species, we can control them if we really want to with our technology. So I feel like aliens don't want to land and come out and say hi because like a lion, we could shoot them. We could harm them. Physically, they, they're probably not dominant to us. And 
this woman's response was, well, that's because you're thinking like the patriarchy. And I said, how do you... Well, this story has changed. When you told it to me, it was, you said the lions are in the zoo. Well, that's where the story goes. I haven't gotten there yet. Okay. Well, then you told the story differently when you told it to me the first time. Well, if you listen, listen to me retell it, you'll see where you're getting confused. So I said to her, oh, you know, you sort of mean like, you know, when we keep animals in a zoo, that's like the patriarchy? And she's like, yeah, that's the patriarchy. I said, I wanted to kind of push her on this and push back and say, why are we assigning a gender to our control over animals? You know, because patriarchy sort of implicates the male dominance or the males being in charge. And she started to get into it a little bit. And I said, you know, do you see any value to um, helping to protect a species in that way or study them and learn how to treat them better and things of that nature? And she didn't. She just sees it as she she goes, see, that's the patriarchal view. And I was just let animals die. So I was saying this is a very like Karen-esque conversation where (laughs) there's just uncontrollable douchiness about it. But to my promise to myself, I did not push back at her. I didn't try and start an argument about it. I just said, okay, that's very interesting. And, you know, and let it be at that. But I had... I felt like that's the closest I've come to a good Karen moment when someone says something that's so douchey. <laughs> and I was proud of myself. I'm just confused. Yeah, so trying to get pure clarification out of her thought process <laughs> probably would have led to hostility. Right. So I, I didn't push it that far, but I enjoyed hearing someone so ridiculous pontificate <laughs> about the, and I'm using air quotes, patriarchy. Yes, there, there, are, there is a reasonable argument that there is a patriarchy that has existed over time and to some effect still exists today. But I don't see how my view of aliens, us, and lions. <laughs> I think she was just waiting all night to say patriarchy to, to some white guy. I mean, I'm all for fuck the patriarchy. I'm just having a hard time connecting the dots on this one in particular. All right, well, here's something exciting. Oh, wait, I had another story. Oh, I, I suddenly remembered something from the Jason Priestley memoir I was reading. And it, I can't believe I never brought this up before, but when he was proposing to his British wife, they went, she was living in L.A. with him, and they went back to England so he could propose to her where they met, the spot where they met in London. And he used the pretense to going there was that Luke Perry was in a play there. And when I look back and read the details, because something, something struck me about it that I, I was trying to remember that had to do with How I Met Your Mother, the play that Luke Perry was in that they went back and watched and saw was When Harry Met Sally, starring Luke Perry and Alison Hannigan. Oh, really? If I had known that that play was going on in London, <laughs> we would have flown out to see that play. Yeah, I was going to say, there's no way you <laughs> were aware of that at the time. <laughs> I'm not sure which year this was supposed to be, but I, I'm thinking somewhere between 2010 and 2015. Huh. Probably. I mean, we were a little busy around that time. All right. Another exciting thing. We've got an email from Danielle. Hooray! She's back. Welcome back, Danielle. Danielle writes, Hey, guys. I'm sorry for not writing in quite a while. I've been really busy at work, but I'm going to make a concerted effort to put you back on my schedule. 
Don't worry, Danielle. We're having a hard time putting ourselves on our own schedule. Listening to all the podcasts I'd missed gave me this really homey feeling. Oh. I'm happy you had other people writing, to, writing you in. I had never really ranked my favorite episodes either, so I might do that at the end, too. I'm not sure what she's referring to, if that was part of a conversation that someone else hadn't ranked their episodes. Does that ring a bell to you? Um, yeah, it was probably somebody else's email. Or me saying I don't rank mine. I can't remember. It's been so long <laughs> since we would have talked about it last. She says, I'm not sure if I like Spoiler Alert or Desperation Day more. I do know that any episode with Zoe in it is at the bottom of my list. <laughs> I'll be emailing next week so I can be on time. Love you. Love you too, Danielle. Thanks, Danielle. Hope your job's going well. All right, now we have a new writer. <gasps> All right. And I just got this email today. Ooh. This time. afternoon. Sam. Sam writes, Hey, guys. My first time writing in, but I love your podcast. I've been wanting to find a podcast for this show that is actually good, and yet I couldn't figure out why the other ones I found weren't. It's because yours has the give and take, the interplay of two different opinions of people who love the show. It totally works, and I find myself agreeing with one of you sometimes and the other one at other times. <laughs> then I sometimes I yell at both of you for getting it wrong, but it's all good. <laughs> and that's what makes an interesting podcast. <laughs> By the way, just listening to one, the one you did on Cleaning House from Season 6, I was shocked when both of you admitted to not knowing who Meadowlark Lemon was, the famous basketball player for the Harlem Globetrotters of the early 80s and 90s. Or, or of the 80s and early 90s. Shame. <laughs> See, this is why we need people to write in. We don't know what we don't know. Right. I'll forgive you for that, though. Anyway, just want to let you know that you should keep it up just the way you are. Oh, and also, I love the series finale. It is totally fetch. <laughs> fetch is not happening. We're not... <laughs> what's, the, what's the response? Fetch is not happening. <laughs> okay, I was getting it right. Yeah. Thanks, Sam. Keep writing in. Yeah. I liked your email. I appreciate hearing from you. And finally, we got someone that compared us to other How I Met Your Mother podcasts. No one's ever brought up the other ones. I don't think that's true. I think someone might have mentioned that they tried a few of them, but they liked... Someone might have said they liked ours because we fill in the details on, like, pop culture references. Mm. Or able to compare it to old movies that they're mentioning or things of that nature. That might have been our writer from the woman that wrote in from China. Actually, I'm not sure it was a woman now. Okay. Uh, I don't know if this is going to pick up on the mic, but we're getting a pretty big storm. So there might be some thunder in the background of this episode. And we're hearing fireworks already. So oh, I've heard quite heard a bit of that tonight. I know Tyler said he heard something. I haven't heard anything. Can you firework in the rain? Yeah, I... Sure. Okay. I don't think you can do it in the pouring rain. Okay. Because I think it would be too windy and you wouldn't get much of a spark out of it, but... Right. I think if it's just raining lightly, you could do it. Yes, we're getting severe thunderstorms, according to my weather app. So this podcast is going to be spooky. Ooh. Actually, let's not do that. Tyler's come down every night in the last week to tell us he's scared of something. So I just, this is all my fault. This is <laughs> the inherited uh-huh. anxiety. Yep. Is that how you felt as a kid? You were scared every night going to bed? No, I don't think so. I was. I don't remember being scared every. I was very scared of thunder. Coming down. I would run into my mom's room for thunder much later into the years than I would want to admit. 
You don't think thunder ever freaked me out, but I do know. Uh, I, I know I'm not the only one of my generation that had this experience, but the, like, the Unsolved Mysteries music would, like, filter up to my bedroom when my parents would be watching that, and that <laughs> always freaked me out. But, yeah, I, I wonder if he's starting to show some signs of anxiety that are genetic. For sure. Okay. Let's start this podcast. And we have one more email that we're going to read at the end. Okay, so it's December of 2010. The gang is going to see It's a Wonderful Life on the big screen. And it had been a crazy couple of days. We start off in the condo. It's Marshall and Lily waiting for the results of a pregnancy test. There's some fun with her having trying to pee on a stick. Marshall asks... That the, he says there's a question that's plagued him for years. Can girls aim? And I'll let you read this line because it sounds like something you would say. <laughs> um, can boys aim? Because it seems to me like I'm taking a mop to that bathroom floor every two days. I, I, I feel like I need to take a stronger stance on the, <laughs> the cleanup that you two require. Like, this is something we should explore on a podcast. <laughs> but it is topical. Yes. Poor me, living with only boys. At least Marshall has the excuse that there's a far side calendar up over the toilet, and he laughs with his whole body. <laughs> Who puts a calendar over a toilet? We have a very quick pause on this podcast because Tyler wants to say something to our fans and go, then go back to bed. Go ahead, Tyler. Happy birthday, Dada. Thanks, buddy. Okay, back to our regularly scheduled program. All right, so they get the result back, and it's positive. Now, I have a little bit of a problem with this because you don't really get false positives on pregnancy tests. You only get false negatives. Have you heard that before? Yeah, I mean, for the most part, I think false positive is, you know, I had a false positive, but that was for a whole separate reason. Yeah, so, yeah, that's because you had something that was giving off that same... Yeah, um, the hormone. Ke- ...chemical. That made it think you were pregnant. But this right. is sort of different. Yeah, I don't think false positives are super common, but I'm sure it's happened before. Or I think maybe what a false positive could be is that, like, you know, you're pregnant for two seconds and then your body, not all, not all pregnancies last, you know, more than a few weeks. Okay. So it could be that. I think that might be the most common situation with a false positive, but, yeah, I'm not an expert by any means. Well, there's a big celebration for yes. this and They're positive. very excited. They go over to Ted and Robin's apartment, share the news. Barney, we'll see this several times, says, what, I've never seen that one before in my life. Sorry, force a habit. Congratulations. I think I remember this being funny the first time I saw it, and now it's like, uh Some of these Barney things just, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what it is that I don't love about Barney as much as I did when I first saw mm-hmm. all of this stuff. I, I think it's, it was short as... I think it was sort of shock humor back in the day, and now it's not shocking. It's just sort of right. kind of jokes that have been redone a million times. I mean, I think this yeah, you know, this was fine the first time, but they brought it back in like almost every scene where they did a flashback, and that really wasn't necessary. Kind of diluted the funniness of the joke. Maybe. All right, now we're at McLaren's, and they're toasting at McLaren's to them being pregnant. And we're going to get some things that are sort of false messages from the characters that they correct later on, but Marshall says, thank you, and they've never been happier, which is not how they're really feeling. 
Right. And then they cut to the doctors. The doctor says, you're not pregnant. And then Marshall says, well, that... Well, actually, before he says, nothing can bring him down, then they cut to the doctors. Doctor says, you're not pregnant. And Marshall said, well, that did it, which we think's, think to mean that that is what brought him down, but actually means something else that we find out later. Right. So there's a lot of sort of misleads. Even the very end scene is a mislead. <laughs> and we get a little Easter egg of William Marshall wearing matching sweatsuits that say Barney's favorite things on them. Yeah, velour sweatsuits. <laughs> Yes. The narrator, the Very narr- 2010s. The narrator then exposits that over the next 36 hours, this news and then the change of the news made them re-examine their own lives. There are a lot of you know, teeny tiny flashbacks in this episode, so this one might be a little tricky to podcast about, but we'll give it a go. Right. In the meantime, we cut to Ted being on the phone with Punchy. <laughs> I love this. Ted says, uh, oh, let's do this one. Why don't you be Ted and I'll be Punchy? Sure. Yeah, Punchy, I've given this some serious thought. I think I know how we can crush these floral arrangements. Here it comes. Hit me up, schmoes. Peonies, lavender blossoms with a halo of baby's breath for an ambiance of springtime rejuvenation. Crushed it. That's exactly the accent of whimsy the celebration of love needs. (laughs) It's going to be a magical day. Uh, Punchy just crushes it there. Yeah. His delivery is so funny. <laughs> and, and I know, course, I really like that one, too. Of course, the idea of two guys getting really excited about our flower arrangement. <laughs> it's cute. Ted says to Robin, who's kind of rolling her eyes at them, I know what you're thinking. I wish I was a dude. She says, I do wish you were a dude. I kind of like that one. <laughs> and then he pontificates of what a great best man he's going to be. Robin disagrees with this. She says the best man's job is not to crush the floral arrangements. It's to get the panicky groom to the to the altar, because they will all panic when the time comes. Right. She doesn't well, think he has what it takes. And then they bring up Marshall's wedding and disagree whether he did a good job there or not. <laughs> yeah, and we get a flashback to Marshall shaving his head, which, you know, Marshall eventually did follow through. But I don't think Marshall wasn't hesitating about getting married. It was just he didn't like his hair, right? Right. That's why Ted doesn't think... That really should count. Right. Robin does. They go into, Ted and Robin go into something about what a great toast he did. He goes, oh, do you take one to be your lawfully wedded wife? And Robin goes, oh, God, I'm freaking out. Why did I choose Ted to be my best man? Right. Well, because she said, oh, for one, and then oh, and one turned into right. the bride and the groom. I had to, like, watch that twice to figure out what the hell she was talking about. Yeah, that was a weird exchange. I, that's probably my least favorite. Yeah, wasn't great. And then... Ted points out that she's watching Million Dollar Heads or Tails, so he can't take her seriously. Then they describe what Heads or ta- Million Dollar Heads or Tails is. <laughs> and of course, this is insanity. This would never be a show, but the idea of it's funny. It's basically Alex Trebek conducting a. You know, every contestant has to guess whether it's going to be Heads or Tails when he flips a coin. I mean, and I guess you. They've referred to this show a couple times, like when. They're doing heads or tails, and Marshall's like, heads. It's almost usually, it's heads. Almost usually heads. I can't remember which one that was in, but I know we've already seen that one. Oh, this show's still on. Um, I did like that. He's like, our Vegas odds maker tells us that the next toss is still just 50-50. Mm-hmm. We're at the apartment. We're out of the flashback, rather. Or the explanation of heads or tails. And he's wanting to know why she's obsessed with this show now. She tells him that there's a job opening there. The reason there's a job opening is because the coin flip girl flipped the coin right into Alex Trebek's eye. 
Right. I guess. The currency there. rotation specialist. Coin flip bimbo. Right. As Ted calls her, Robin defends this, and then Ted asks her if she auditioned. She did. We get a cut over to her auditioning. It's Robin flipping a coin with supreme confidence <laughs> with a red hot dress on. Or rather, with a hot red dress on and in front of Alex Trebek. Right. And he likes the, the fact that she's Canadian, because so is he. Right. Ted points out that sh- this is not for her. She's a journalist. What is she doing? And It's a national audience. I get to wear shiny dresses. Ted reminds Robin of her New Year's resolution. And we get a couple of false revolutions. And the mm-hmm. night kind of goes earlier and earlier as we see her different resolutions. We get to the one... Finally, where she says she wants to work for a big-time cable news channel like Worldwide News. So by this time next year, she'll be wearing a Worldwide News ID badge around her neck. And to show you that she's serious, this is going to be her first and only drink of the night. (laughs) (laughs) But the previous um, (laughs) resolutions were, I'm going to finish this whole bottle tonight, which happened later that night. And then the next morning, I'm never drinking again. (laughs) Yeah. So So after she takes that first drink, she goes, whew. Damn, that's smooth. <laughs> um, so Ted wonders what's going on. Like, he thought she had an interview at Worldwide News. She says that she did, but they only offered her a boring, low-paid, off-camera research job. Which he thinks could be a stepping stone. She's not very interested in doing this. But then we're cutting back to the pregnancy announcement, and then we see her thinking to herself, what am I doing with my life? So then, she, So she decides to go for the Worldwide News job. So they're at McLaren's. Robin announces that she is the new associate researcher. Um, Robin says that you know the reason for this was that you know she's about to have a little niece who looks up to her, and she wants to be you know somebody that is respected and that this child could look up to. So we have a cut to her the next day calling Alec Trebek, who obviously she would be calling him directly for this obviously, job. Obviously, yes. And she was about to announce to him her decision to not take the job, but then she gets the text that she's they're not pregnant. And so she started off as honored as I am by the offer, um, and then we get into her head, oh my God, they're not having a baby, what am I all up in my head about? That research job <laughs> sounds hard, and I'm pretty. I'm really, really pretty. And she's looking in the mirror. <laughs> I thought that was a good line. I missed that part. <laughs> all right, we cut over to the movies again. Robin comes up. Oh, says did we that mention she, that Ted's holding a giant gingerbread Well, they haven't. You're right. We haven't mentioned that. Okay. We did see that, but they haven't talked about it yet. Right. So, yeah, she walks up. He's holding a gingerbread house. She announces her job decision. She, she kind of dismisses the question. She made her decision and then asks about the gingerbread house. He says, we're seeing a Christmas movie. It's a Christmas-themed movie snack. Now, have you ever eaten a gingerbread house? I can't say that I have. I've, I've eaten gingerbread cookies. I've had a few bites. It's never good. It's always hard as a rock. <laughs> well, I'm also wondering, are they going to let him like just carry this giant gingerbread house into the movie theater? Like, Since when are you allowed to do that? That seems unlikely as well. <laughs> now we get to Barney's story. When he hears the announcement... Oh, uh, before we get to the announcement, Barney comes in and is bragging about a bonus that he got. There's a little bit of joking around how Ted and Marshall got much smaller bonuses, but Barney's bonus, cards. yeah, Barney's bonus is so big that Ted suggests, why don't you give some of that to charity? How big does your bonus have to be for someone to say to you, why don't you give some of that to charity? 
I'm thinking it's, it's like fifty to a hundred thousand. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, maybe even twenty thousand. But maybe probably, I'm thinking more. But yeah, I'd say because that suit probably cost twenty thousand. Right. Yeah, I don't know. Can suits cost that much? Good lord! It had diamonds on it. <laughs> but yeah, I think you're probably right. The fifty to a hundred range. And why don't we have jobs that give us bonuses like that? I don't know. We don't break the law. Yeah, I guess that's true. He's got what he wants to do with this money is buy the. I, I, he pronounced it. Now I can't remember how to how it's pronounced. Yeah, di, the Diabasi, the Dibiasi, or something like that, which is a suit with pinstripes made of diamonds. Is the uppest a person could ever suit? Barney thinks he does give to charity because of all the sympathy bangs he gives out. <laughs> so tough. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it was okay, but then he hears about the pregnancy. Barney's thinking to himself, Marshall and Lily are doing something meaningful. And it's making me less happy about this bonus. And I'm still single. At least I got that going for me. Right, which is a um, a counter to Robin. As she was doing her internal monologue, she said, you're still single. And I was like, well, don't, don't yeah, even go there. A little more misdirect. <laughs> right. So they're back at McLaren's. And Barney shows up. And he is about to do Barney's favorite things. And he's very Oprah-esque in this. Right, they have sort of a false reaction from the bar where everybody at McLaren's, especially the gang, are flipping out. Right. Crying, hugging. Which is apparently what he expects to happen, but nobody knows what this is. Right. They're like, we don't know what's going on here. He says, I'm going to give you all a bunch of free stuff like Oprah. So he gives out the velour track suits. He's announcing all this like Oprah still. Remote remote control helicopters, condoms, and he's got a fleet of limos outside waiting to take us to a strip club. And I'm guessing by a fleet of limos, he means he's taking everyone at McLaren's to a strip club. I'd be a little pissed if I was the owners of the guys running McLaren's (laughs) taking all their customers away. I mean, maybe they were invited too. They'll just close early. And then on top of that, the next day he goes to see... Um, his half-brother's father, Sam Gibbs, a minister at a church out on Long Island. Shows up. He goes, uh, Sam, uh, father. I, I don't mean father, father, unless... <laughs> What's up, Barney? So Barney says he thinks he wants to give some money to charity. Sam says he thinks he's talking about a stripper that he keeps emailing him about. you got to take <laughs> me off that list, Barney. Barney says he gave a little bit away. He wants to give some more. Sam has a program that helps people in need get back on their feet. And Barney would love to help by writing a check. So we got him writing one, zero, zero, zero. And then he gets the text that they're not pregnant and says, I've written so many zeros. Oh, thank God for the decimal point. <laughs> Ends up giving $100. And Sam seems pretty appreciative. Yeah. I don't know that Sam ever thought he was going to give a lot more than that. Right. I mean, they're really down to the last second here of, like, making these life-altering decisions. And good thing Lily's text comes through right when it does. <laughs> so Barney shows up the movies. He's diamond-suited up. Ted questions his change of, of mind. And Barney kind of gives the same reasoning. You know, it just doesn't seem as important now. Barney asks about the gingerbread house. It's a Christmas-themed movie snack. And then Barney assumes he's going to pull the move where... You cut the bottom out and put your junk in it. But he's not on a date. <laughs> Who's? He could have pulled it on Robin, I guess. I suppose. Now, this is actually homage to the movie Diner from the early 80s. Ah, okay. One of the characters, played by Mickey Rourke, gets dared by his friends to put his erect junk 
threw the bottom of the popcorn box so that when his date is reaching in for popcorn, eventually she's going to grab it. Ew. Which happens. She runs out screaming. He goes after her and <laughs> gets her to believe that being with her just got him so excited. It popped that it, that it That it happened organically, and he didn't really notice because it's just sort of a warm... Oh, my God. And she forgives him. And then your junk's all covered in butter and salt. Now we get Marshall and Lily's actual reaction to being pregnant. Yeah, Marshall's slowly starting to realize that he's freaking out. His heart's pounding. He realizes he's having a panic attack. And this is all in his head, in her monologue. He says, I hope she can't tell what I'm thinking right now. Then we get Lily's response in her monologue. I can, and I'm freaking out too. Oh, and at this point, they're in McLaren's also. They want to know if the others can tell that they're freaking out. Oh, no, they're not. I'm sorry. They're not no, in McLaren's. They're in the apartment. apartment. Yeah, you're right. They're in the apartment. And so, they're having a complete conversation in their head. Right. Wondering if the others can tell that they're freaking out. But Robin and Barney are wondering what they're doing with their life. And then, yeah, they go to Robin and Barney. They're both saying, what am I doing with my life? They get to Ted and he said, his inner monologue is, I should get the Christmas theme movie snack for tomorrow night. In that sweet, <laughs> innocent Ted way. Right. Marshall thinks they're totally onto them. What do we do? And then Lily, <laughs> Lily monologues in her head. Just keep smiling. Maybe wave. And Marshall starts to wave. <laughs> no, don't wave. That makes no sense. I'm committed. I'm riding this wave straight to hell. Let's leave. Then the waving will make sense. <laughs> that was a good scene. It was. Uh, so they're back at their apartment, and Marshall says, you know, they don't need to panic. There's going to be a lot to do. They have nine months to prepare, so they need to make a list of everything that needs to get done and do everything on that list tonight. <laughs> yeah, so you see them running around, reading books, painting baby proving with bubble wrap around the entire apartment. Learning to knit, playing classical music to the baby. We're back at McLaren's. Right, get, that's when they say, like, oh, we have to go meet everybody at McLaren's. Yeah, and again, we get the comment, we've never been happier. Right, Robin, I've never seen you guys looking so at peace. We get to a point where they realize the iPod was on shuffle. And the baby heard the jerky boys. <laughs> he thinks they're funny. Lily disagrees. They're awful. I like Marshall's. Fine, if you don't think the Jerky Boys are funny, then I'm not sure that I can raise a child with you, liver lips. Is that a Jerky Boys thing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's like one of the little insults they would hurl. Okay. Do we need to explain Jerky Boys? We've already done that. We have? Yeah, they've come up before. We get back to the point where they realize this is not going to happen. They're not having the baby. When they get to right, the movies. But, um, before that... Marshall's saying it's like he has a hot burning ball of stress in his chest and nothing will make it go away. And that's when the doctor says you're not pregnant and Marshall says, well, that did it. Yeah, that's right. Thank you. We cut back to the movies, to current time. And when Marshall walks up, he goes, oh, a Christmas-themed movie sack. Nice. (laughs) But don't reach into the living room. Wow. I don't know how she knew that. (laughs) Ted is surprised. He thought they would be really upset. Uh, Marshall says, you know, they're relieved. They were kind of freaking out. Maybe they're not actually ready for kids. Maybe, Maybe they'll just, just get, get a dog. dog. And Barney, get a puppy! <laughs> so Ted loses it. He throws the gingerbread house on the ground. It smashes. And Barney, our movie snack! <laughs> and Ted, are you kidding me? And then he goes into a long yeah, lecture. Ted's about to freak out on everybody. Yeah, he tells them, you're going to turn around, you're going to go home, get naked, lie together as man and wife until Lily is great with child. And shoes them off. And they go. And then he lectures Barney how stupid he looks in the suit. 
Barney says he can't give the suit back. So to sort of force Barney's hand, Ted yells out, Criminals of New York, attention, this man is wearing a diamond-covered suit. You can retire it on the pants alone. Merry Christmas. So and Barney, Barney runs, runs away. <laughs> he's got a look on his face as if he's already starting to be chased. Right. <laughs> like there's a big crowd of people just all of a sudden converging on him. Yeah, Bar- Robin then is very casual. You want to split popcorn. <laughs> and then he yells at her. And you. <laughs> you. Take the job of Worldwide News. Oh, he's going to flip a coin to help her decide again. Heads, you take the job of Worldwide News. Tails, you take the Worldwide News. Then he, like, throws it at her. <laughs> Robin says that she'll call them tomorrow. Ted gives her a look. Fine, I'll call them right now. And then he gets a phone call from Punchy. Ted, I can't get married. Yes, you can. You love her. You're right, I do. Thanks, Ted. <laughs> <laughs> and then Ted goes to see It's a Wonderful Life. Right. All right, so we're in the condo with Lillian Marshall, and they are ready for this. We're at the church. Barney's back. He's writing a check to Sam. Sam says, that's a lot of zeros. You're sure not, you're not missing a decimal point? No. Robin has started her new job at Worldwide News. She's getting the tour. She needs to get her ID badge. And then we cut back to the church again. Barney asks or confirms that they take donated suits to help people who are looking, homeless people who are looking for a job so they can look nice for the job. It just brings in racks and racks of suits. Sam says, thank you, son. Son? It's just an expression. I'm still not your dad. <laughs> <laughs> I like that he still has to keep reminding him that. <laughs> right. So Robin's congratulating Ted on what he did. She thinks it's cool. And she sort of agrees that if he's not the guy she's marrying, she wants him there to make sure she gets to the altar. Big mistake, but go on. <laughs> and then the final scene is Barney with a PSA-type message looking into the camera. Right. Saying that, we've had a lot of fun tonight, but on a more serious note, this is a time of year when we remember the importance of giving. And then it's all about the gift of booty. And then it turns out that he's actually talking to right. a woman. He's trying to, this is his pickup line, apparently. Yeah. It was a good little misdirect, I thought. It wasn't great, but... yeah. All right. What is your favorite joke? Uh, Marshall and Lily trying to figure out how to look cool in the apartment and the wave and all of that. Oh, yeah, that was good. That's my second favorite. My favorite was the punchy crush it. That's exactly the accent of whimsy the celebration of love needs. (laughs) I think that might have been my second favorite. Ooh, so close (laughs) to each other. And then my least favorite was that whole exchange about him being her best man, the O and one yeah. back and forth. That, that didn't work for me. Um, I think my least favorite was actually the end scene with Barney. Okay. I didn't really care for that. I liked how it for a second did have me fooled that it might be a yeah. PSA. That's the only reason I liked it. I thought it brought the episode down a little bit, though. All right, we're going to read our last email from one of the Swedes, Felix. Felix says, hello from your friendly neighborhood Swede. Spider-Man reference. Thanks, Felix. (laughs) Nice to hear from you. Ted having gingerbread house as a snack is the reason I hate him. (laughs) And why is Ted deciding what floral arrangements Punchy's going to have at this wedding? Ted always got to be so extra all the time. I don't like how Robin and Barney just changed their plans in life just because Marshall and Lily told them they were pregnant. And when Marshall and Lily told them that they were not pregnant, they go back to their plans. The scene when Barney gives away stuff is funny, but he's doing it for the wrong reason. And the diamond suit is just dumb. Okay. Fair assessment of all. He says his 
best joke was, I've never seen that woman before in my life. Sorry, force a habit. Okay. Worst joke, I am the Bill and Melinda Gates of the Sympathy Bank. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I can see that, too. All right. Now comes Felix's questions. And I enjoy Felix's questions. Yes. Always good questions. Starts off with a movie that everyone likes, but you think it's overrated. His is The Godfather. Shame on you, Felix. (laughs) Jen? Lord of the Rings. Shame on you, Jen. (laughs) Mine is Avatar. I just never really thought it was anything special. His second question, what is one, what's one of your favorite albums? His is the Eminem show. That is a really good album. Yes. Uh, Jen, do you have a favorite Taylor Swift album? Because I'm sure it's going to be Taylor Swift. It's so hard to pick, but... All right, top three, maybe? I think I can do top three. You wrote Reputation I think Does that mean I'm, something? Yes, that's one of the albums. <laughs> I actually have my Taylor Swift tour t-shirt on today, so I can show you exactly which era that is. This is Reputation era. Oh, I'm so happy I got to see that. <laughs> uh, but I'm also quite fond of Evermore and very excited for Speak Now, Taylor's version, which is coming out Friday the 7th. Countdown is on. And I even got my nails done to celebrate. Um Jen has a lot of videos of her from the last Taylor Swift concert she went to a couple weeks ago on TikTok. Jen, do you want to share your TikTok? Oh, it's actually on Elena's TikTok. Oh, okay. Never mind then. I mean, I'm on TikTok. It's at yep another Jen, but I don't post all that often. Who? Oh, uh, favorite albums. Okay, so I don't really have a favorite album anymore just because I'm so used to listening to streaming, and I don't listen by album. I listen on more of a single shuffle so I don't remember anymore which albums I really like but I did do an exercise a couple years ago where I took I think it was about 54 different artists slash bands and counted how many of their songs I liked Okay. and then tallied it up and made a top 10 well actually I made a top 54 but I'll, I'll share my top 10 artists whose songs I like the most, or they have the most songs that I enjoy. Uh, number 10, The Doors. Number 9, Frank Sinatra. Number 8, The Beatles. Number 7, Led Zeppelin. Number 6, Madonna. Number 5, Michael Jackson. Number 4, Pink Floyd, which was a surprise to me because I don't listen to them that often, but I do tend to like a lot of their songs. Hmm, okay. Number three, Fleetwood Mac. I've seen them in concert several times. Number two, Phil Collins slash Genesis. Got two ears and a heart, don't you? (laughs) And number one, Billy Joel. Have we never seen Billy Joel? Like, I bet that would be an amazing concert. I would love to have seen him and Elton John together. I think they still do it every now and then, but I'll have to look that up. I think Billy Joel does something because this because this list made me sound like too much of a lame white guy. I did my top old white guy too. (laughs) I did my top ten or top nine actually uh, favorite hip hop slash rap bands (laughs) or rappers. Okay, number nine Eminem. There you go, Felix. Number eight Dr. Dre. Number seven Public Enemy. Number six, LL Cool J. Number three, Kanye West. I'm sorry, number five, Kanye West. Number four, Tribe Called Quest. Number three, B.I.G. Notorious B.I.G. Number two, Beastie Boys. And number one, Tupac. 
We'll also say that also makes you sound old. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I have downloaded a lot of Doja Cat and Lizzo sure. lately. So, and a little bit of Harry Styles. Ooh, yeah. Harry Styles, that might be, can't say favorite album ever, but one of my favorite albums of the last year or two. Okay, next question. Who is your favorite director? I don't think I have one. I, I'm going to go in a roundabout way, because <laughs> I'd actually have to double check, but I'd like, on a little bit of a Taika Waititi um, bent right now, where he's the one that did Thor, Ragnarok, um, Jojo Rabbit. And I have to double check, because he's also in this show called Our Flag Means Death, and I don't know if he's directed it that Directed that. You've never though. even seen 12 Years a Slave. Did he do that? I'm pretty sure. I don't think that's true, but <laughs> oh. look it up. <laughs> so he's the first one that came to mind, but like that's. Like I said, I don't even. If he directs um, Our Flag Means Death, then yes. But yeah, as far as movie directors, I don't have anything that like really, really comes to mind. This is just my PSA about. Oh, never mind. That's Steve McQueen. TV. You're right. Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't know you liked that JoJo movie that much. I don't. I just really like Taika. <laughs> oh. You just like saying his name. And he's very cute. Okay. And you have to see him as Blackbeard in Our Flag Means Death. Oh, by the way, Felix's is Christopher Nolan. Good choice. Oh, yeah. Mine, it came down to Tarantino or Cameron Crowe, and I went with Cameron Crowe. I just, I think I love every single one of his movies, and so many of them are in the top 100 of my favorite movies, Say Anything, Almost Famous, Singles, um, Vanilla Sky, Licorice Pizza. It just goes on and on. He, I think okay. he's just one of the greatest storytellers. Who do you consider the best actor? Uh, he considers Denzel Washington the best actor. I, I think I want to lean towards Sam Rockwell. I think he just is amazing in everything he does. My quick answer was Tom Hanks. That was just the first name that popped into yeah, my head, but if given more time to ponder it, I might have another answer. But I don't know, I, I, has there ever been anything where anybody's like, yeah, Tom Hanks wasn't that great in that? I don't know that you ever hear that. I think there's <laughs> movies that he's done that aren't that great, but you're right. right. He's always, but, but he always elevates the material. Yeah. All right. And that is it from Felix. Thank you so much for writing in Felix. He ends with, and as always, have a good day. Thank you. It's good to hear from you. And that is it. We are 11.08, so we're 52 minutes from my official birthday, July 4th. It's getting close. I hope everyone has a good Independence Day. We have a lot of non-American listeners, so I hope you have an excellent July 4th. Well, enjoy our freedom from colonialism. All right. Thanks, guys. You can write to us at runklerecaps at gmail.com. And I am enjoying, I myself am enjoying a birthday holiday snack, which is wine. (laughs) A birthday-themed movie snack? Yeah. Podcast snack? Birthday-themed podcast snack. Wine. (laughs) Good day to all of you. I already said bye. I said good day, sir. Damn (laughs) it.